Welcome to the Footy Rebels podcast with myself, your host with the most, Johnny Keefe. And always alongside me is, of course, football writer extraordinaire, journalist average at best, Callum <laughs> Castelnuovo. How are you doing, sir? How are you keeping? Oh, not too bad, thank you. Always a good, uh, good midweek bit of football for us, isn't it? Yeah, apparently so. Apparently so. For those that are listening on Spotify and not watching on YouTube, Callum is wearing his horrendous Nottingham Forest t-shirt that I'm going to have to be putting up with for the next however long we get um, to to do this podcast, quite frankly. Um, well, however long it takes as he's kissing his badge. It's got two stars above it from days long gone, it's fair to say. <laughs> um, but no, in all fairness, we will come on to them later on. Change of manager, change of formation, I think it's fair to say. And it was a very good result. But again, I'm not going to bore the listeners to begin with with you and your bang average League One team. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to talk about in this podcast is, of course, the European football that has taken place over the last two days. And of course, there is a bit happening this evening as well. In fact, the eight o'clock kickoffs have kicked off now. So we're going to go into Man United versus Villa Real. We're going to talk after that. Uh, Real Madrid versus Sheriff. What a... Uh, oh, an unexpected result. We'll leave it at that for the time being. Porto, Liverpool, PSG City, Juve, Chelsea, AC Milan, Atletico Madrid, Benfica, Barcelona, Bayern Munich versus Dynamo Kiev. We're then going to talk a bit of the goal of the week and then the player of the month. Oh, yeah. And Forrest Mention. Fair enough. <laughs> so, Callum, let's talk. Let's go straight into what was a roller coaster of a game in Man United versus Villarreal. Oh, I've just heard loads and loads of Liverpool fans turn off their Spotify and YouTube clip and just fast forward it. But it was a crazy old game, wasn't it? And of course, it had to be a Hollywood finish. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> L1, undeserved win, by the way. It was absolutely catastrophic throughout for Man United. Um, they could have been four, three or four nil down by half time if it wasn't for De Gea, who was just having the absolute game of his life. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely it's a, fair to say, yeah, without a doubt. Oh, incredible. I, the, I don't really have many words. He could have they if they didn't have De Gea that uh, last night, they they would have lost quite heavily. Um, they Eleven were saves throughout. Was oh no, yeah. that's a different different goalkeeper. But yeah, his first half <laughs> saves were. Uh, they, they probably weren't far off to be honest with you, were they? Um, it's fair to say we've been absolutely treated by goalkeepers the last two last two nights. Yeah, well, really good ones and really bad ones, by the way, but I'm sure we'll get it. <laughs> I'm True. sure we'll get on to FC Porto at some point. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they were shocking, really, throughout the game. And you know, um, you know the player who was causing De Gea a lot of grief and forced him into action is called Dan Juma. Do you know where he was playing last season? Uh, no. Bournemouth in the Championship. Crikey. Well, what a step up he's made. And to be fair to him, um, he, yeah, he was a nightmare, just an absolute terror to um, to the Man United backline, which it, it felt a very makeshift backline. Was it two centre backs that haven't played together in Lindelof and um, in Varane? Was it Varane? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah their so first game. It was. It, it it felt like, and I'm not, I'm not going to slag him off too much in this. Who am I kidding? Yes, I am. Ollie threw a team of players together that didn't <laughs> feel like that they were prepared to play. In, in fact, do you know what? It, it feels like. He's relying not on tactics whatsoever, but on a mighty bunch of individuals, okay? And it's poor because you'll see managers on the sideline 
you know, screaming tactic. I mean, Pep Guardiola is a prime example. Fair enough, City's night wasn't on the other night. You know, it just wasn't written in the cards, unfortunately. It was another player's special occasion. But Solskjaer just didn't feel like he had a clue. He was relying on your Ronaldo. He was relying on... Greenwood, let's be honest, he really was relying on Greenwood. Sancho, again, it wasn't his finest game. In fact, he came off for Cavani. Um, it just wasn't, it, it shouldn't have been Man United's night. But you know what? It's it's not about how you get there. It's the result in the end. Yeah, and I completely agree with everything you just said. He is he is literally now replying, uh, sorry, relying on the talent he's got. And it's just so unfortunate because if they had a manager like a Pep Guardiola or someone else that could just have the tactics for those players, it would be unbelievable because he's got, it's almost sad to see how much he's got. And it's sad to see how little time Ronaldo's got like left really to play football. Um, and I feel like we're not getting the kind of maximum we could out of Man United. And it's, it's, it's just a shame. And yeah, it was just his subs as well were a bit, it was, it was so, fortunate like it was so Oli-esque as well that the two subs Fred and Lingard um, were two players that had a hand in the goal that Ronaldo scored as well I mean Lingard played really well but to bring on Fred at left back and then for him to get to have to put the ball into Lingard who gave it to Ronaldo was um, was very lucky for Oli I think because it was just a bit of a throw together and yeah I mean to be fair though Tellez's goal is one of the best goals I've seen in a while. What an well, absolute volley. Oh, goodness gracious. It, it's like they've, they've said to one of the youth players, listen, kid, we're going to put you on the pitch tonight. Don't worry about the headlines. Don't worry about the fans. Go out there and just play without any fear. And he's gone. Do you know what? We've done this on the training pitch. I'm being called upon. I'm going to have this. And he's he's... He's hit it to perfection. And my goodness, fair play to him. In fact, it's such a shame that it was the equaliser because if that was the winner, then I, you can imagine people running on the pitch. It was well, just that good. It was that well, they good. Did. Oh, I did mean, really? I didn't see do, do, you remember, do you remember what the winner was? <laughs> it was well, Cristiano yes, Ronaldo yeah. in the 97th. Oh, my but God. If those, if those, I wish those goals had just come in, this, in, in the different order because that teller's goal was a winning goal it should have been an equaliser it was just that good and I genuinely could talk about it all night because you don't get enough of those type of goals anymore it's far too ticky-tacky into the back of the net the perfect goal and granted Leeds United have been trying to do this a lot this season the perfect goal almost Arsenal-esque it's almost started from Arsenal from when Wenger came in with this you know pure football get it into the back of the net by passing your way into the back of the net and every now and then you just need a screamer like that from wherever it was it was a wonderful goal anyway that's my run over and done with with you know <laughs> I, I love old-fashioned goals I must say no it was perfect the swerve on it as well and I think the commentator said that's um that's a classic Beckham to Scolzi oh, on the yeah. edge of the box it was sure. it was great For but sure. then obviously it couldn't be the winner because there was only one man that could get the winner from one nil down and that was Mr Champions League himself and did you see how far his shirt went into the sky when he threw it no. how, how does a, how does how does a shirt in the wind 
fly. I mean, there's a picture of him just celebrating with his arms wide out, with his shirt off, and his shirt is like it's miles above him. I don't know how he done it, but oh, just a moment for him again. Like the commentator even said, he writes he writes the scripts for him because because it's written in the stars for him. But Robbie Savage definitely ruined that moment with his <laughs> with his horrible Derby accent. Oh, just wish it would have been anyone else in the world for that Damn. moment. Robbie but, Savage, um, you disgrace. You absolute oh. disgrace. You know what he's tried to do there? He's tried to emulate Aguero, hasn't he? He's yes. tried to yeah. emulate Aguero and he's absolutely ruined it. Well, was fortunately, he's not ruined the goal itself. So that is the main <laughs> thing. Now, listen, this is one for you. Should Lingard be starting? Although he's not got, he's not the youngster that is Greenwood, so he's not got that kind of excitement about him. He's not the £70 million, million pound player that is Sancho. So, you know, why, why would you kind of, you know, they need to make sure that Sancho gets that game time. But Lingard offers that, that spark, doesn't he, at the moment, off the bench. But could he be doing that for more throughout the game? He's playing without any fear at the moment. Does he need to be starting more games for Man United when he's got this level of confidence at the moment when he's on the pitch? Um, it's a difficult one because it's like the right back situation for England. If 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 none of those right backs existed, Matty Cash would probably be England's right back and he'd be a very good one at it. But he's got about seven right backs ahead of him. Fernandez is at Man United, so Lingard isn't going to start. If Lingard was on the wings, which isn't really his position, there's know, no chances. Too many wingers. It feels like he's playing in more of front or position, especially you know he was playing in the box yesterday. It's fair to say, and he really was. You know, it, it was almost like he was playing in that false nine position, but to try and support the two forward players in Ronaldo and Cavani by the end of the game. Um, you're quite right. He was playing in more of that central position. He should be playing in more of a central position. But I don't know. He, he, he adds excitement to a game. He really does. And he's done that for a long time. It was just a, such a shame that he was out of the team for so long. I think that's what they want though. I think they want him to come off the bench and do that at the moment. I think that's his role. Um, if, he, if you ask if he should be starting, yeah, but not a Man United. He sh- this is why he should have probably gone to a West Ham or an Everton or a Villa or something like that because <laughs> um, he'd be the star man. But you, they, they've got the same problem with Pogba almost. He's not really a sitting midfielder. He's better up the pitch, but they, they've got they've got too many options in that area of the pitch. So yeah. Lingard is just that option to come. And he, he'd done it, didn't he, last night? He got the assist and he, he did exactly what you said. He, he brought some sort of firepower to it. So I think that's the plan really at the moment. And I don't really see him getting a start, whether he should or not. I just... It's the same, do you know what I mean? Like with Harry Kane being a striker for England, it doesn't matter how many Bamfords or Calvert-Lewins or Ollie Watkins you can take. Yeah, true. Maybe Harry Kane starting. Always, yeah. It, it, yeah, well, yeah. I can't even say anything towards that. It really will be. Right, let's move on. Um, because potentially the greatest upset in Champions League history was Real Madrid 1, Sheriff 2. Now, they were debutants into the Champions League from Moldova. Um, I have learnt how to pronounce the goalkeeper's name. I'm just going to take a second, just a second, to make sure that uh, I can pronounce it. Anthony Zidis. There you nice. go. Um, he made 11 saves in that game. Now, I've watched the highlights of the game because I was watching the United game. Anthony Zidis was unreal. Now, they've said he could quite... I think he's like 28 years old, and in the January or summer transfer window... 
I think pundits were said he's going for 80 million. Now it's obviously nonsense. He's not going for 80 million, but he won't be at Sheriff. I don't think he'll be at Sheriff this time next year, if I'm being honest with you. If he can pull out, out of the bag that on a big occasion, you know, he'll be second choice goalkeeper somewhere. But, you know, for anyway, fair play to him. He was unreal in the first half and to be fair in the second half he was just as good he was that good that he took a shot from Modric to the face to make sure that his team stayed in it he was I cannot praise the keeper highly enough there but to be fair Sheriff were outstanding all game the penalty was a penalty um it was just an unfortunate body check but it, it was what it was in the end I think it was it the body check I'm do, pretty sure do, it was, are you it? speaking the Real Madrid one yeah I, I've got this on my notes. I don't know if it was too much of a penalty. It was more of a hand around. It was a more of a hand over the shoulder sort of thing. And Vinicius Jr. had dived a couple of minutes before trying to get a penalty from the same position. And then he got the penalty. And I was, I've watched it a couple of times and I just thought it was, it was so very, I thought it was very soft. I might have to watch it again, but I don't know if it, it's interesting because I was listening to Mark Clattenberg on radio earlier on, and he was saying that when he was refereeing in Europe, he he was having to be a lot more lenient than the physicality that the Premier League offered. So in what might be a Premier League game, it wouldn't be offered as a penalty. However, in Europe, which is what obviously we're used to, and obviously, you know, the we watch a lot more English football than we do, you know, European football teams and things like that. But when it comes to the Champions League, those type of fouls are given a lot more regularly. So Again, what we perceive as get up, mm. stop being, you know, stop diving. Actually, in the Champions League, it's a case of he was touched, he's, he's gone down, and it's fair, it's fair game, basically, isn't it? Yeah, good point. To be fair, yeah. Um, so let's talk about another spectacular goal, though. It was the second goal that Sheriff scored. I can't, I can't remember what minute it was in. I believe it was something like that. There must have been about ten minutes to go. Was it something like that? 88 or 89th. Oh, is it as late on as that? Crikey, I thought it was mm. more 77th. Again, do you know what? I'm acting tonight like I've not watched a bloody game here. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I'm just going to let you talk about it. Second goal was good, wasn't it, Callum? Oh, it was <laughs> It was everything. It was everything Madrid needed, really, because they were peppering um, the keeper, like you said, played amazingly, played really well, won't take that away from him. But they were just wasteful with the opportunities they were having. I feel like they were trying to almost give him a bit of shooting practice because... Most of them were out none of them were in the corner. They needed someone to just stick it into the top bins somewhere just that the keeper couldn't get. And that was it. The uh, the player, um, Till, towards the end, he just lashed it. I couldn't know. I saw it as like a highlight on um, Twitter before I even watched everything. And I thought, there's no way that's going in. I don't know what goal it was. It was just one of those random Twitter pages. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, Jesus Christ. And I realised what goal it was, what game it was. And oh my God, what a goal. It was just, it was just incredible. And it was just, it's, it's a great upset. And I mean, you say the keeper might leave next year. They're top of Group D with Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Shakhtar, Donetsk, and they've got <laughs> six on, points. On, they could on. win the championship. <laughs> say that again, okay? Say that again. FC Sheriff, the Howdy boys of Moldova are top of Group D with six points out of six with Real Madrid, Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk. And do you know what? I'm not taking nothing away from the first goal scorer in the 25th minute because that header, Courtois was stood there like a lemon. It was a brilliant header. It really was. Mm-hmm. So um, I've just I've just gone on to it now because I want to throw these stats at you, OK? Real Madrid, 76% possession, OK? 31 shots total compared to the four that the Sheriff had. 
11 on target, you know, that just goes to show what a game the keeper had. Th- 13 corners for El Madrid, none for Sheriff. Oh, sorry, three on target as well for Sheriff. So actually, from where they did have goals, the two shot, the three out of three out of the three shots, two of them went in. Perfect. You efficient. Know, if it's very efficient, yes. Oh God, what a game. Just there's you know what? You can't you, it's one of those types of games and one of those types of performances that you will never be able to shut up about because it was just brilliant. But here's the question for you. Is it the greatest ever Champions League win? Because for me, there's Istanbul in 2005, I want to say it was, when Liverpool won. That was, an, that was a pretty sensational win. There's been moments in the Champions League, but the game itself... Is that the greatest ever Champions League win for, you know, when you take everything into consideration? No, um, I think it's what I think it's the greatest upset. I think it's definitely the Fair greatest enough, upset. Okay. Yeah, I think I don't really think there's ever going to be. Uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest upset in terms of Champions League wins. Like you say, Istanbul, Man United, Bayern Munich, when they scored the two goals in the last yeah, minute yeah. from one nil down. Um, just, yeah, there's been an abundance of champions. Man United, when they beat Chelsea on penalties, the Edwin van der Sar and John Terry hitting the post. There's there's memory. Oh, Man United beating Roma 7-1 in the groups. I think it was the groups. That, no, it wasn't the group stage. I think it was the second leg. Um I can't remember which it was, but that team, Alan Smith, Everest, oh, Scholes, right, okay, yeah. Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, there's been some Champions League games um, so I could go on for days. But yeah, upset-wise, definitely. That is one of the biggest upsets you'll see at the Bernabeu as well. It's not like it was in Moldova. It was at the Bernabeu. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what an upset. And it was just mad to see, like, you just if you were to read out the, team, the lineup now for Madrid, it's just disgraceful. They had Hazard on the pitch. They had... Jovic, by the way, who is just what a waste of talent. I think he's 23 now, but when he went, moved to Madrid at 21, there were players trying to trying to grasp his signature. And I forgot he was even there until I saw him in the highlights yesterday. Um, and Modric, like you say, just players all over the pitch should not be losing to FC Sheriff of Moldova, but fair play to them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now let's move on because there was a huge, huge win. Um, and I did say it, I did predict it in, in uh, well, in a podcast earlier on this week, Porto won, Liverpool five. I did say it was going to be a, uh, a great game with a few goals in it. I wasn't quite expecting six. Um, we were talking goalkeepers at the beginning of the day, um, excuse me, <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast. What was, De- now his, his, his name is Diego Costa. Okay. He's the goalkeeper. He pulled off some good saves, but Jesus, when he got it wrong, he got it very wrong. I mean, what? Okay, that one goal, he ran outside his box for whatever reason. It was almost looking at like looking at Kiko Casilla when, you know, when he played for Leeds United. It was just, um, I was there thinking, what are you doing, Squire? What are you, what's going through your mind? Anyway, talk to us about it. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> For those, you know, for those listeners on Spotify, Callum's just been wetting himself when I've been building up the introduction. So he's absolutely desperate to get into this guy. Go on. You've got two minutes to rip him apart. I don't even want to because I hate it for keepers. It's one of the worst things ever. But what was what was his thought process behind everything? There was the run out to almost the halfway line when the when there was just no way he was ever going to get to it. And then obviously Firmino 
had a little pea roller that just bounced. And he, went to, he went to flap it out. Didn't it he? was almost like and, the most sarcastic pass into the goal ever, wasn't it? It was almost like quite an arrogant pass. Like, yeah, that's going to go in, isn't it? And it was over the line by about two inches. It was amazing. Oh, amazing. I felt like the keeper was never going to stop chasing the ball. It was so sad. <laughs> and then, like, um, the the Porter defence didn't help him out because they were poor as well. But the yeah. the the uh, oh, Milner's cross for um, for one glorious. of the goals was sublime. Absolutely yeah. glorious. That guy Absolutely. performs when he wants. Well, not even when he wants to. Just every time he he puts on a football shirt, the guy's desperate to do well. Yeah, and he does. He's a workhorse. But and that that cross was sublime. And then it was the keeper again who he fumbled it, and then it went to the defender, and then the def- Salah got in front of the defender, and it was just all of it was a bit chaotic. I feel like either the keeper or the the defenders had a real real part to play in every Liverpool uh, goal. But do you know who else had a part to play in every Liverpool goal? Was uh, Curtis Jones? His his uh, inv- yeah, he was involved in every single goal directly. Whether it was a deflection from his shot, whether it was an actual assist, and his penetration um, at Porto and his decision making was incredible. He was he. I've not seen him play like that before. I don't know if he was given instructions to attack further, but he was running that that Porto defense and he wasn't slowing down. And then when everything kind of cleared, like. Moses's whatever it is and he sort of like uh, I think it was I don't know who it was on the right um, he saw the ball and he put it through and there was a goal from that uh, he was he was uh, impeccable last night and I've I've never I've seen Curtis Jones and I've known what he's about but I've never seen him play that well um, and he was instrumental to Liverpool's win yesterday yeah, I can't disagree. He was uh, he was superb, absolutely superb. Um, a true, to be fair, a true talent, and it'll be great to see him progress and, and flourish. To be fair, and I think Klopp's done a really good job with him. Um, really kept him kind of out of the limelight when it comes to it. You know, Foden, Grealish. You know, two. Well, I say youngsters, but then there's Greenwood as well. I mean, fair enough, Foden and Greenwood haven't had the greatest of press over the last few years, especially with England. But Curtis Jones has gone under the radar, and he is an absolute superstar. He really is, and it, it, he's playing regularly now. And it's, it's a shame that Harvey Elliott has had that, you know, quite horrific injury. Um, but there are some youngsters that are starting to creep into that team that have been absolutely brilliant. And to be fair to Liverpool, what are they, are they top of the table? Am I, you know, am I correct in saying that? I think they are, aren't they? By point now, yeah, yeah because but, Brighton didn't win. Yeah, but the point the point being, they're obviously it's working for them. The model that they've got is working for them. So, absolutely fair play. Um, now, it was a great game to watch, and it just wasn't meant to be. Not one of those days at the office where everything you do doesn't quite work out, and that is PSG versus Manchester City, of course. Um, the the amount of possession chances. The, the fact that they're missing, ladies and gentlemen, a number nine is basically what let them down that night, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I think it was a lot of, yeah, they, they had a lot of chances. They had a lot of um, <clears throat> the freak moment where um, Grealish found De Bruyne, his out, um, outside of the football went in and then Sterling hit the crossbar with his head and then Bernardo Silva hit the had the rebound on well, a plate and hit the crossbar. Yeah, yeah hit it straight away and it was just unfortunate and you just can't help but think that no disrespect to Bernardo Silva because I think he's incredible um, in many different ways but you just can't help but think that a Ronaldo or a Lukaku or a Gabriel Jesus would have just managed to get their feet right let's be honest just... Harry Kane would have sucked it into the back of the net you know it's, yeah let's, let's not go into a Levy rant right now but it's just <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is what it is isn't it it's 
it's a wasted chance for them because they had that many opportunities to to just win the game. If there would if there was a Harry Kane style player, a true centre forward, like you've just said, excuse me, in the centre of the box all night long, that is going in. You know, the, the winning that game by many many goals. It's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, like to be fair as well, PSG played really well, and Idrissa Gay was sublime, and Verratti coming back, I think you could see in the whole team the way they played, and just the way that he brought everyone into the game. It was for Messi's goal, it was Verratti who carried the ball up um, and give it to Messi, who give it to Mbappe. It came back to him, and it was an amazing goal. We'll come on to that, but Verratti made a massive difference. Um, Idrissa Gay obviously scored the goal. I don't know if he could put that further into the top right corner, and he had a ninety-two percent pass throughout that and whole game as well. I, don't, I think if he'd hit it any harder, it would have burst the net, let's be honest. That, <laughs> yeah. There's no goalkeeper on the planet that is stopping that goal. No, no, not at all. It was just just, just right into the corner and it was early doors as well. So it was just difficult for City to come back into it, but they did play well. And I don't, PSG did play well, but there were certain things I wouldn't be so happy if I was a PSG fan with the performance, be buzzing with the result. Um, and obviously Messi getting his goal. But yeah, I mean, Gabe had to wrestle Laporte to the ground at one point. I think it was looked like it could have been a penalty um, and all sorts going on. So... I wouldn't judge the game ever so much um, with the result. I think the result was harsh, but yeah, I think they just need to find that kind of... I saw a lot of Grealish slander afterwards as well, which really annoyed me because he looked good as well. He, he just, he was doing everything that he was Grealish had a do. great game. I don't understand where all this, you know, this negativity is coming from for him. Grealish was absolutely outstanding. The only well, thing that he didn't do was score a goal, but he had chances. He was passing well. He's interlinking with other players superbly. Literally, he's found he's in a team now where he can flourish and just play brilliant football. He can dribble. Well, we've known him to dribble all you know forever and a day, basically. But in this team, he's going to get more and more chances to do that. He's not had a bad game since he's been there. The only thing that they didn't do against PSG was score. And and, and that is quite simply it. The performance from City was sublime. The only thing they didn't do, which ruins the night for them. Is score a goal. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think he's just, yeah, like you said, he hasn't had a bad game at all since he's been there. And I think what people hate is just that City spend money. And go cry about it some more if you want, because they're spending money. They've got money. They're going to spend the money. They're going to do it. They could have spent another 100 mil on Harry Kane if they wanted to. I'm sorry that <clears throat> your your team hasn't bought hundreds of players or your team hasn't spent hundreds of millions in the transfer window. But it doesn't mean that... Grealish is a flop or just because he's had a bad game. He's an incredible player and he's he's worthy of his price tag because they've bought him for it. So, go listen, for it. listen let's, put, let's, let's put this to bed, OK? And I'm going to speak absolutely outright without sitting on the fence. If every team, and my team included, Leeds United, had billionaire, billionaire, billionaire owners, we'd be, plying, be we, we would be buying players and sticking them on 350 grand, you know, quite happily, Leeds United would be sitting in the top four. We'd be very, very happy. Would I be upset about that? No, I bloody wouldn't be. The only thing I would be upset about is if we were sat in the, you know, bottom of the table, you know, where we are at the moment, but come the end of the league. But if we'd spent all that money. Now, Man City are in the right mind to, to buy as many players as they want for as much as they want to do. I'm quite happy for them to do that. And do you know why? It's because the only thing that they don't win is the Champions League. I'd like them to win the Champions League, quite frankly, because I think they actually deserve to. 
and and that's just basically going on the fact that they play unbelievable football. If any other team came up to me and said, "Oh no, I don't, I wouldn't want it if my team was spending that kind of money," they're talking absolute nonsense. If Newcastle got billionaire owners, which it looks like they could do at some point, and they started spending big, they'd be happy about it. Especially if they started being in that Manchester City position. If well, Chelsea have been doing it anyway. The amount of youngsters that have come through from Chelsea is about the same as Man City. Man United cannot say anything either. They do it, as, you know, Ronaldo, 450 grand a week. It's just, it's the done thing these days. Long gone are the days when all of the talent would come through. You know, that it, it, one or two players every few seasons will come through. So to any person that's listening saying, oh yeah, Man City are only in this position because they spend money. Yeah, and what of it? <laughs> Quite simply. Exactly. I, mm-hmm. if, if Leeds United wanted to go do it, I'd be yeah, fine, go for it. As long as we get the results that are deemed worthy of buying these players, I'd be happy about it. City's time will come. They've won X amount of league titles, you know, cups, whatever it is, their money spent, in my opinion, is warranted. Couldn't say any better. Thank you very much. Okay, um, let's move on now. We've definitely wasted a bit more time than expected to there, but it's a rant that I really wanted to get off my chest. Juve Chelsea. It was an unfortunate day at the office for Chelsea. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They had a great... It, it was exactly the same, in fact, as, as PSG and City. They had all the possession in the world. It was just a great shut-up shot from Juve other than the goal that they scored. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it was Chiesa again. He could have scored in the first half. He was yeah. causing, it was like a throwback to Italy, England, and I didn't like it. It was just <laughs> him him causing havoc. Um, and they got the goal and they shut up and they bought Chiellini on and that was it. See you later. And I tell you something, right, by the way, Chelsea have lost two games for the first time um, since Tuchel took over. They were both 1-0. They were both games where they were struggled to create anything for Lukaku. And who's been injured for two games? Mason Mount. And they're missing... They're missing him. They're missing his press. They're missing his his creativity. They're missing his quick decision making. They're missing a lot that they that they're struggling to get um, around that kind of attacking midfield position, and it's shown. Um, and then yeah, Juventus have gone away with the three points. It was at Juventus. So it was always going to be difficult. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just it was hard to watch. They were they were making all sorts of they were making. Yeah, it was a strange game to watch. They just struggled, and I think they really need Mason Mount back. Really. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I, do you know what? I'm not even going to say anything on the back of that. I totally agree with everything you said. Mason Mount is an absolute integral member of that team. He is just a wizard in midfield, it's fair to say. He's he's his link between the midfield well, defense midfield, but then also the forwards is just that chess piece that they're missing at the moment it's such a shame that he's injured because when he comes back into that team he'll be awesome so like I said can't say it better than than what you've just done there so a game where you've got a bit of a a quiz really haven't you so I want to know what you think about AC Milan Atletico in a nutshell yeah, well, it was uh, it was interesting. Milan looked good and they scored a nice little pinger for Liao at the start of the game um, and they were holding on well. And then Kessie, who is a really, really, really good player, really good young player coming through, um, got links to Liverpool and bits like that. He just got a naive second yellow card, um, which, was, which was frustrating for Milan. And then they got punished through um, Griezmann's absolutely lovely volley. And then in the 97th minute, he else but Luis Suarez steps up takes a penalty and puts into the back of the net another Mr Reliable 34 years old 
he's having a great time there. I still don't know why Barcelona sold him. Uh, they were desperate too. That's the reason why. It's quite <laughs> simple. They needed the funds. <laughs> they needed to get That's people true. off their wage structure. You know, just for just if anyone else was wondering. Uh, but yeah, that was purely the reason. <laughs> um, true. So <laughs> l- l- let me ask you this question then: Suarez versus Salah in their prime. When they were both playing for Liverpool, obviously Salah still playing for Liverpool. Let's just let's be honest about it. They are both thoroughbred goal scorers. When they want to be greedy, they will be greedy, but they'll score nine times out of ten, won't they? Who would you take though? When you look back to, uh, and I think, uh, well, to be fair, Suarez was probably his best at Barcelona. But when I look back to what Suarez, well, that's did because for he was Liverpool. in a Mickey Mouse league compared to what he was doing at Liverpool. There's three, mm, yeah. There was three teams. Realistically, when he was at Barca, there was three, t- well, two teams that he was competing against. It was Atletico, and it was at Real Madrid because that's realistically when the Galacticos was still a thing at Real. So yes, he yes but, he was popping in goals for fun, and I don't doubt that whatsoever. He'll have still played. He'll still his, his statistic is 147 goals in 191 games, and he, that will have been a lot of Champions League included in that as well. And yeah, he, I can't disagree with that. That that trio of um, of Suarez, Neymar, and um, Messi was just absolutely impeccable. But for his time at Liverpool, he had, for me, he had a good team around him. It was him and Gerrard and Sturridge that absolutely carried Liverpool. But when I read out some of these players, I looked back before, he had Joe Allen, John Flanagan, Mignolet, Lucas Lever, Mamadou Stacco and Glenn Johnson around him during his time at Liverpool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Glenn Johnson had his era. uh, Glenn Johnson was was... good, I'll give him that. Yeah, he was good. That's a bit of a slag towards him when, you know, actually he was playing very, very well. But the rest of the team, you just go, (laughs) Yeah, so, well, I mean, yeah, Joe Allen, what, come on, John Flanagan, Mignolet. So Salah right now has got around him, Trent, Van Dijk, Robertson, Matip, Fabinho, Mane, Fabinho, Jota. So, yeah, he's got 100 goals in 151 games, which is class. Um, and Suarez had 69 in 110 for that Liverpool team. But then looking at his Atletico stats now, at the age of 34, he's got 24 goals in 39 games. And at Ajax, he had 81 in 110. So he's an absolute baller and he will always get you goals. Whereas if you look back onto Salah's time, he struggled at Chelsea. Um, he scored 29 in 65 for Roma. He's he had a good time at Fiorentina, but I mean, Salah's reaching 30 now, and this is kind of the first club really where you just think he's elite, whereas yeah, Suarez but, went everywhere and was elite. Yeah, but arguably when he was at Chelsea, he didn't get played that much at all, did he? You know, he was under Mourinho, and Mourinho didn't really fancy him. Same with De Bruyne, to be honest with you. So, the, you know, there's arguments there because the fact that, again, Mourinho saw, saw his team as other players and just didn't fancy him, but yeah, the absolute argument. I would choose Salah all day long in my team just because he's he's come on in the last few years in how to play in a team, basically, you know, and not just be, you know, when he's greedy, he usually scores. Let's not, you know, mess about with it. But when he does assist, you know, his assist went up last year. He was he was a very, excuse me, a very good player. God, that's what Brewdog does to you. But he was a very good player. Can't help myself here. Hazy Jane tonight. For those that are wondering, I've got a, uh, I've had a can of Hazy Jane, and it's been very tasty because Elvis juice is crap these days. Um, anyway, that's another rant for another podcast. Uh, right, we, we've talked about that. I, I, let's go on to um, Benfica Barca again. I'll let you discuss this one. 
What an absolute nightmare. <laughs> has Ronald Koeman been sacked yet? I don't think he has. No, um, no, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got a few points I just want to speak about. One is to Stegen running to the halfway line as well, just like the Porto keeper. It was lucky that the uh, Benfica player hit the post, but what on, again, what on earth was he doing? Um, Luke De Jong is possibly the worst striker I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why they signed him, but he. Yeah. Oh my, some of the chances he had. And one of them was just like, I'm sure he was on the goal line. The ball was on the goal line. I'm sure he chested it away from, it was offside, but I'm sure he chested it away from going in the net. It was horrific. Barcelona had zero shots on target. Um, and Garcia got a red card. I don't know if it was a red card, really. I think it was very harsh. But um, I think that might have been what I was talking about with the penalty, really. It was definitely just a hand to the shoulder and nothing else. He got sent off. But that just capped it off for him. Now, Nunes looked class for Benfica and Benfica looked really good, but I think Barcelona... It was a 3-0 they... win for those that weren't too sure. 3-0 but two uh, to, to Benfica. So it was quite, yeah. a, quite a heavy defeat, really, for, in, Barca's, in Barca terms. Yeah, and I think they're going to sack Coman and I've heard they're going to replace him with Xavi, which for me... <laughs> What he's doing, like he's just coming into a. They keep the teams keep bringing these ex players in and expecting them to change their club around and, yeah. and rectify their mistakes. There's a lot more to Barcelona right now. I mean, Ronald Koeman oh, was a, for me not a good enough decision in the first place, but to bring no, in Xavi, I think that's a bit of a disservice to Koeman because other than what was his last job before, there was one job previously that he did. Holland. Have- yeah, and that, that was probably where he didn't have a great time. Was that the one that he, I can't remember? Anyway. He didn't have a good time at Everton either. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so, yeah, the problem I've got with this is bringing back Ole into Ole Solskjaer, obviously, into Man United. He's working with a team of superstars, but he's not very good strategically. Is Xavi going to bring that into Barcelona? Same could be said with Zidane, to be fair. Zidane was really lucky that when he was manager of, of, of Real Madrid, they had a team of superstars that played as a team of superstars that was the difference and that's why they won was it the Champions League three times on the spin Xavi he's been around tacticians for a long time so it will be interesting to see how he does get on is he coaching the Barca B team at the moment am I correcting I'm not too sure anyway I think he's got a coaching job within Barcelona but I can't quite remember um I'd need to double check that one to be fair has he? Well, uh, I think he might. I think he might be doing something like that. I'm not really too sure, but <clears throat> I just, uh, I just don't get what they think he's going to bring to the table. I'm looking at Coman's stats now. I've just pulled them up, by the way. Um, 41% win rate at Everton, 48% win rate at Southampton, 45 as Alkmaar, 32% of Valencia. Um, 55 at Holland, and now 59 with Barcelona, which just isn't on for me. No. Um, I don't really, don't really get what they are. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's an established manager and everything like that. But I don't don't really see what he'd done enough to be uh, to be brought into Barcelona. Now they're just bringing in another manager. Their de- their decline is incredible. If Xavi comes back, it will it'll be very interesting. Uh, this again, this is why I'm the host and not the uh, and not the specialist. To be fair, Xavi is currently managing Al Sad in. Are they the? I think they're in Saudi Arabia. I want to say. Brilliant. <laughs> oh no, Get Qatar. Qatar. Sorry, oh, right. Qatar Stars League. So he's probably earning a fair whack over there. To be fair, I know that when uh, again listening to Mark Kattenberg over there, he was brutally honest with why he went over to Saudi Arabia. He just said they, they offered me a load of money to go and ref over there. Fair play, sir. 
as long as you hold your hand up and say it, that's absolutely fair. His win rate is 69%, just shy of 66% over there. But let's be honest with you, is the Qatari League that good? No, probably not. Um, anyway, let's move on very, very quickly because there was an absolute romping um, in, in Munich, it's fair to say. Bayern Munich, five, Dynamo Kiev, nil. Talk to me about it, Callum. Uh, yeah, Bayern just done the classic. Lewandowski scored two. Nabry, Sané, Trappy Moting. They just destroyed another team, which they'll continue to do. Um, and it was no surprise. And that's about it, really. Just a regular Are they going to win the Champions League? Uh, we don't know. Maybe. I, uh, I'd, I'd put my money on them after that After that result and after that romping, that ruthlessness. Really? I, yeah, without a doubt. I, I'd start Five ball against Kiev? Yeah, if, if my wife let me, I'd stick a tenner on it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think City would beat Kiev 8 0. I think Chelsea would do Kiev 3 or 4 0. I think Liverpool are doing 5 or 6 0. It's nothing really. I think Barcelona might even do him 1 or 2 0. No, so. let's not go too far, eh? Anyway, moving on from <laughs> terrible comments like that. The goal of the week. You have picked out three goals of the week, haven't you? You've picked out um, Tellez, obviously the Man City goal, which was outstanding. Um, United. Till- what did I say? Man City. <laughs> yeah, Absolute they weren't like that. There. No, they weren't like that. Again, that's why I'm the host. Um, tell us from Man United with a stunning goal uh, coming from the uh, the set piece, of course. Uh, Tilt from uh, the Sheriff team that beat that again. Who are they? The Sheriff team that beat Real Madrid for his uh, for his wonderful last um, last minute thriller as well. And then Messi for doing what Messi does well and producing when it's time for Messi to produce. Um, what are you saying? What is your goal of the Champions League week? Um, I think, you know, I think Messi's was just Messi and it was great. And Verratti's carry and the play between um, Messi and Mbappe, um, the way that Mbappe had to bring himself back to play that ball through to him. And then Messi moving his body to <clears throat> kind of pause before he did what he knew he was about to do. It was great. But it's between Tellers and Till. And I think Till's was for the moment and the goal was like together is like an amazing combination. But Tellers as the goal on its own, just solo for me is goal of the week by far. It was just not by far, but like it was just absolutely sublime. The swerve he managed to get on it first time straight into the corner, the lofted ball from Bruno, dead ball. Uh, it was just incredible. After, I, I love that goal. I could talk about it all day. So that's that for me. Fair enough. I'm going to go with the till goal, actually, Real Madrid versus Sheriff. And the reason I'm going for it is because under the spotlights of the Bernabeu, um, under the pressure that you'd probably be feeling of, you know, I could sky this. It's, you know, it's an outrageous goal. Um, so for me, it, it's it's the team that he's done it against, you know, as part of it, you know, it, it's almost one of those goals against the team where you've got no right to put it in that old thing. And he's done it. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful goal for me. Um, so, but again, I, I understand with the Teller's goal. I, I raved about it at the beginning in, of the podcast. So fair play. But yeah, for me, the Till goal. Um, and then the player of the month. Um, this is the Premier League player of the month. And it has come out, obviously, um, from the Premier League itself. So we've got Cancelo, we've got Salah, we've got Saar, um, Ronnie himself as well, who's had a good one. Um, Sam Maximum and Rudiger. Who is your player of the month, Callum? I'm going to go with Cancelo, I think. I mean, Salazar and Ronaldo have all got three goals um, that month and Salah scored in each one. So if it was between those three, I might go for Salah. Sam Maximan was incredible, a goal and two assists. And Rudiger, obviously, for Chelsea, had got his, um, he'd kept a few clean sheets and he's played really well and he scored. But Cancelo, his assist for, against Chelsea got Man City a big win. And um, I don't think City have conceded uh, 
in September and he just looked incredible. Every game I've watched him so far, him and Rodri at City have been instrumental to the team. So I'm going to go with Cancelo. What about yourself? Again, I've got to agree with you, unfortunately, on that one, because I really hate, hate agreeing with you. But I thought Cancelo has been superb this month. Um, again, everything that he's produced for City, it's been stellar. And City have had a great month with him in the squad. Um, and like you just said, he was in the right place at the right time when it came to a very, very critical game, which was, of course, Chelsea defended well. They shut up shot when they needed to. I, in fact, you know what? City defence in that game was sub, just sublime. So fair play. Now, I'm going to give you a minute or two just to discuss that nonsense that is on your chest. Fair play, though, to Nottingham Forest. Come on, talk to us about it. You're on the clock. Go. <laughs> oh, I just, I'm just so happy at the moment as a Forest fan. Well, Look I've not been happy smile, for a long time. Look at <laughs> I've just been so sad for so long and it seems like we've just got a little bit of hope now. And that game last night, I got <laughs> to watch it. Game. One it's not game. one game. It's not one game. It's three games. Thank you very much. We no, won. But... We did. We didn't have a win all season. We sacked Hutton and then we won two 0 away, which was an incredible win without a manager. And it just looked like that was it. That formation, everything like that. One two 0 deservedly. And then this first game under Steve Cooper, we managed to pull back a, a point against Millwall, who are our like bogey team big time. And we did play well again and we got a fortunate goal, which was fine. We needed it. Um, and then last night I watched it. and Oh, my God. This is the first time we've had a manager in a long time that saw the, the flaws of the other team and made changes, attacking changes that that was aimed to destroy them. They were beaten as 1-0. It was quite lucky. They got a penalty. Figueredo made a bit of a, mis- uh, well, just a clumsy mistake. But we were we were all over them um, at the start of the second half. And Steve Cooper looked where we were penetrating them, looked that we were getting in behind and brought Graben on, took, def- took Figueredo off a defender, brought Graben on, first touch of the ball, plays Brennan Johnson through, clean on goal. Brennan Johnson, I think he's 20, 20 years old, David Johnson's son, looks up to his left, sees Zinconagle all alone, selfless, puts him through, and he just has an open goal to himself. And then a few minutes later, again, we um, Brennan Johnson's got that run through again, this time rather than squaring it, scores himself, so there's a goal and assist straight away. And then Alex Mighton, another substitution, comes on. Steve Cooper wants to destroy the game, doesn't just want to hold on to a one-goal lead, brings Alex Mighton on, takes off two players, Meg's one, incredible, back post, Lewis Graben, 3-1. And it was just, it was just what how we every time we've took the lead recently, every time we took the lead under Hugh and he looked to close up shop, he looked to do a Juventus. We are not Juventus. And he looked to close up shop every single time and we lost every game. Um, and this time we have a manager who talks about like us, not the opposition, how good they are, talks about how we're going to hurt them. And you can see it already. Three games, we haven't lost one. And before he was before he was hired, we hadn't won one in seven games. So I'm really happy and excited about the future. And um, you, Reds. Fair enough. Well, to finish off on the podcast, just to talk very quickly about the Europa League in terms of the goal, excuse me, in terms of the results that have happened so far. Leicester, uh, unfortunately, lost to Warsaw 1-0. So that leaves them bottom of their group still on nil point, as far as I'm aware. Um, 
Celtic, they are currently losing at home 2-0 to Bayern Leverkusen. Rangers uh, were away to Sparta Prague earlier on. They lost 1-0. Um, however, West Ham, Declan Rice, 1-0. It's just before half-time, I believe it is. And it looks like everything's going well for them. They're sitting pretty at the group as things stand on six points. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, Rangers and Celtic and Leicester, they're just not having the greatest of times at the moment in the Europa League. However, West Ham really taking advantage of their time back in Europe. Europe. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for taking time to, you know, to, to listen to our podcast. Please, as usual, send us any notes. Let us know what you guys want to listen to. Until the next one, Callum, much love. Take care. See you next time. <laughs>